Hello, and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. On this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. And today, we're here to talk about chapters 7 and 8 of Dune Messiah, just as soon as we introduce our guests. Yay, guests. Guests. <laughs> From the excellent Hello. podcast, Two Guys to the Dark Tower Came, we're thrilled to wake it, uh, to welcome, rather, <laughs> Jay Russo and Sean McGurr. Thank Welcome, you, Hello guys. There. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank Hi. you. Well, you know, we're always down to talk Dark Tower, Stephen King. Like, we've done a few episodes in between Dune books of, you know, talking about the Dark Tower. We're up to Wizard and Glass next. So it's always uh, exciting to have other uh, Stephen King aficionados around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we appreciate it. Yeah, and- that's why I reached out to you. Um, I found you because I was reading Dune, and I, as soon as I saw how much of a fan you were of the Dark Tower, I said, ah, oh, we need to talk to, to these <laughs> yes. two. And here yeah, we are. It, it comes up like once an episode, at least. It I does. would say, even if we're talking about Dune, something always comes back around <laughs> to the Dark Tower. We just or, can't help it. Yeah, we really can't help ourselves. We also talk about the Wheel of Time a lot, mostly me. I don't know. Um, I haven't read those yet. <laughs> Someday. And romance novels. So brace yourselves for that. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe not this week. Not this week. Yeah. <laughs> There's no romance. Love is dead. <laughs> this is more of your VC Andrews stuff, Megan. Oh, oh, my VC Andrews stuff. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Between the two of us, who wrote about VC Andrews? Um, <laughs> well, well, not to spoil anything, but if you like romance books, I think you might like Wizarding Glass. Mm. This is true. That I is, mean, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of Wizarding Glass. It's just one of those. I'm gonna give it another sh- when I give it a, another shot. I'm hoping that things change, but mm-hmm. it's it's a very Oh, I guess we're taking this detour for me. Yeah, I, th- I think that you'll be, um, I don't know. I'm hoping that you'll be a little kinder to it on re-listen or re-read. <laughs> I, I think you will be. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that I know that, you know, everything's going to keep going. We're just all yeah. stopping for, for a little story time. Right. So, um... Guys, tell us about Dune, like you guys and Dune. Have you, you've read the first book already? Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So first, cool. for, 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 so this is Sean. And for me, I have read a lot of science fiction. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of this year, I realized that Dune was sort of this big gap in my science fiction knowledge. Um, I had never read any Frank Herbert, but, and somehow I had gone through a class in undergrad and a class in graduate school, both on science fiction, and, and Dune just never came up. Um, and I was just like, boy, this is odd that this book has, has never meant come up. And I'd never seen the movie either, although I was obviously aware of it. Um, and I had a friend who was very, very into it. And I said, you know what? I think this is the year I'm going to tackle it. He's like, yeah, go for it. And I started reading it. And then it was weird because after that, I found out that one of my other close friends had just finished reading it. And then another friend I board game with he had is a big fan of it and he had started reading. I'm like, oh, okay, now I got a lot of people to talk about it with this. So this is great. And uh, yeah, I finished up Dune a couple of months ago and um, then Jay started reading it as well, right, Jay? Yeah, um, I kind of had that same gap in my science fiction and fantasy, uh, I guess, catalog. And 
when you started reading it, it got me curious again. And then, of course, with all of the hubbub about the upcoming uh, movie, I figured maybe I'll give it another shot. So I got the audiobook, started listening, and uh, found that it was nowhere near the challenge that I found it to be the first time I tried reading it like 20 years ago. So this time I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I, I really liked kind of getting into the world building and stuff that Herbert does in, in that book. And uh, along the way, um, you know, that's where I discovered this podcast and found out that there are a lot more people like me out there. Big surprise. <laughs> and, um, and so when I finished up the, by the time I finished up the book was around the time that I connected with, with you, um, with you two. And, uh, it was, then we, you know, decided, well, let's start reading the second book. And mm. here we are. And awesome. I was pleased to see that the second book is much, much shorter than the first one. Because <laughs> I will true. tell yes. you that it, it took me a while to get through Dune, mm -hmm. um, just because I'm reading a lot of other things at the same time. And mm -hmm. and sure. and I didn't realize it was going to be as long as it was. And I was like, wow, because usually, you know, the first book in a series isn't always the longest one. In fact, it's often the shortest one. And I was like, wow. And then when I picked up Dune Messiah, I'm like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. Much, much. <laughs> And it's yes. such a different book too. It's it's mm -hmm. interesting, um, just it the really the is. way it, not only the way it's written, but just the whole structure of it. It it just seems like a an entirely different take, which I uh, which I'm enjoying. Mm -hmm. Now, were you guys expecting there to be so many board meetings in your science <laughs> no. fiction? I so, was not. <laughs> there's a lot of sitting around tables and talking about things in the uh, in the Duneverse, but you know we we still love it and. It took, this is what I say, like the first time I tried to read Dune, it didn't, couldn't quite get it. And I feel like people that come back to it when they're a little older, a little wiser, they, you know, have an easier time sort of dipping their toes into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because I think people, it definitely falls into that sort of people think, oh, it's a sci-fi book, so it must be you know, for children and it'll be easy to read. And then it's like, wait, oh, <laughs> I was wrong. I, was I mean, not, wrong. not to play off a pun here or anything, but it is a little dry. Oh. <laughs> I know. Uh -oh. I wasn't trying to make you a can't pun. can't do that with company here. <laughs> okay. Usually I'm the one with the dad jokes. <laughs> oh, well. Have be in stiff competition this episode. <laughs> oh, don't say stiff. <laughs> yes. Oh, so I suppose we should probably get into talking about this chapter. I think we're putting it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Avoiding okay. it. <laughs> All right. Well, I will read this epigraph. Uh, this is from the Arulan Report, the section on St. Alia of the Knife. The Fremen see her as the Earth figure, a demigoddess whose special charge is to protect the tribes through her powers of violence. She is reverend mother to their reverend mothers. To pilgrims who seek her out with demands that she restore virility or make the barren fruitful, she is a form of intimentat. She feeds on that proof that the analytic has limits. She represents ultimate tension. She is the virgin harlot, witty, vulgar, cruel, as destructive in her whims as a Coriolis storm. Mm. Mm. love a good virgin whore dichotomy. yeah um right right in a a teenager <laughs> is also generations of adults right 
Uh, yeah, poor Virgin. Alia. <laughs> poor Alia, Virgin, who remembers every single sexual experience that every one of her primary, yeah. pr- pr- everyone else in her memory had, you know? It's like, yeah. Yeah. She actually can mother. be the Virgin yeah. Harlot. Yeah. Yeah, there are later conversations where she's just like, well, I never actually met my dad, but I know him because I know everything <laughs> my mother knew. And it's like, okay, no, don't continue oh, down that please. conversational <laughs> pathway, Alia. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, cut us a break. <laughs> she wants to be cut a break, too, though, unfortunately. Like she really does. She didn't ask for this. She's trying to deal with it. And she kind of has a crush on a boy. Mm-hmm. Hate. 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 <laughs> Everybody a loves on hate. A boy named Hate. That's very that's very 15. I was gonna say that that tracks for a teenager. Mm-hmm. She probably paints it on her fingernails, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ballpoint pen on her knuckles. Hate. Well she we know that she's painted on her walls in this one, so I bet there's, you know, some some poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, hate's name and then crossed out. <laughs> Mrs. Hate. <laughs> uh, yeah she she really just wishes she was back in the desert she doesn't want to be this virgin goddess harlot representation to all these people uh she liked it better when they lived in the desert even though everyone was mean to her i was gonna say it's how sad is it how sad is her life that she would rather be back in the desert where people <laughs> bullied her and were afraid of her. Yeah. And here where she's, you know, basically worshipped as a goddess. Yeah, I mean, she just she doesn't have a place. That's that's really the mm-hmm. problem with poor Alia is that there's no place for her and no one can be compelled to try to make one for her. Uh, her mom is gone. <laughs> yeah. I will reiterate again that Jessica has just gone. Just left her. And uh, that's not great. That's not great when you have uh, this this child who has all these very special needs. You should have stayed around, Jessica. That's all I'm saying. And I thought that was interesting how Jessica is just not in this story at all. And I I don't feel like it makes sense that she would have left. I don't know. I haven't read any, you know, very much further than what we're talking about today, but I don't know if she comes back. But it just, she feels very absent. There's kind of like a hole in the the array of characters here without her mm-hmm. around and i don't understand why she would have just you know up and up and uh absconded I, I mean i understand like she doesn't necessarily want to be on the dune planet and all but uh, she was a really important character getting paul to where he he was at the end of that book so yeah and now everyone just even her own children just resent her like there's just everyone is like well we didn't ask for this uh, yeah. our mother made us do this <laughs> okay <laughs> calm down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> paul especially there's a lot of well my mom is the one who did all of this it's like yeah, well you know you weren't an infant like your sister yeah you were old you... enough to make some choices yeah you are a young human and you made that very clear in dune that you could make your own choices so i don't want to mm-hmm. hear it now <laughs> yeah Uh, people are selling the dune tarot uh which alia is not a fan of because everyone's everyone's just at home now they're doing spice they're lighting Mm -hmm. incense they think they're telling the future 
she, for someone who wants to move back to the desert with the Fremen and considers herself very Fremen, she's also very belittling of the Fremen and their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this is the chapter where she refer, thinks of Stilgar as a primitive. Yeah. And she's just, the, she says, you know, the, the Fremen are notoriously fey and they just want to play with their tarot cards. And I'm assuming, I don't know, some runestones or something. And that, you know, they, they have inclinations towards prescience, especially with all the melange that they have in their systems. And that's mm-hmm. not great because too many people having prescience is not uh, the best way to do anything. But, um, like, those are your people. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you've got to choose. At some point, you have to decide if you like the Fremen or not. Yeah, I, I kind of had that question, too. Like, oh, uh, Aaliyah, like, she seems like she's she's too sophisticated to think and believe like the Fremen. Like she's she's got she's one level up, and she can kind of look down her nose at this zealotry that they have, um, which made me kind of wonder like what is what's Herbert's point with this book? You know, like Dune was kind of a Cold War analogy. Is mm-hmm. this one sort of a treatise against religion? Because all of these terrible things are happening throughout the universe because of zealotry and uh paul and Aaliyah both recognize that they're trapped by that if they if they remove themselves from their followers their followers will turn on them if they take advantage of the zealotry then they have power but they need to still work within the rules set up by that that religious belief and but they themselves don't really see see they don't they're not true believers so mm-hmm. it's that contradiction, like, and because we're in their their heads and know their know their thoughts about these things, what's uh, I just made me wonder what Herbert was going for. I mean, it's hard to say, especially because I think so much of Dune, the first book, is you know he makes it very clear: don't have heroes, don't worship mm-hmm. your heroes, your heroes are fallible, and don't that put is... anyone up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And then we see that the people on pedestals don't necessarily want that and maybe misusing it. Uh, but then ultimately, we're going to get someone coming up who will be on basically the ultimate pedestal. <laughs> yeah. And while he will still make mistakes he, and is making sacrifices for the greater good, it's still very... Uh, at the end of the day, I think Herbert really feels that a lot of people need something to stand as their godhead, mm-hmm. but that you can't put a lot of, you know, don't don't put all of your belief into that because these are just people at the end of the day. Yeah. So it is very confusing because it's, you know, we know that, you know, Paul and Alia have, have these abilities. They're not necessarily alone in that, you know, there are things that they can do that plenty of Betty Jesuit can do. And I mean, Alia is a reverend mother, but so are lots of other people. Um, but I think that in, yeah, in, in saying, well, these are just people and they're fallible and we have to be careful because they can, these things could take on a life of their own. I think it does falter because... Paul, especially in the next chapter, is very, oops, I started a jihad. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, no, no he you knew. actively did that. Yeah. yeah, you knew what you were doing. Like, he tried to avoid it. Yeah, you don't get to turn around now and say, oh, oops, I've killed 40 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, and I, I and I think it's kind of like don't put all your eggs in this one morality basket. Like, you know, your morality should be more not centered on this sort of uh on a religious figure, I think. Like uh, ultimately what it all boils down to is like uh what Megan said, just to reiterate what Megan said. Yeah, just don't put people up on pedestals and don't hero worship and like people coming into Dune see Paul as like a protagonist is not the same thing as a hero is mm-hmm. I think what mm-hmm. I'm trying to get to. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's already I mean, I think that's already starting with the little bits that we're getting about the new movie because well, I mean, Timothy Chalamet, so the kids <laughs> love him. Yeah. And there's just a lot of, oh, well, then he's obviously the hero. It's like, uh, oh, um, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the problem with casting, you know, appealing people in any capacity when it comes to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it's also the trouble with the the Lynch version, because I mean, Kyle MacLachlan's great. And you're yeah. like, oh, I like this guy. I, I buy in what he's selling, but no, no you can't. A cute little baby face, and we want to listen to him. Especially uh, when you're walking into a sci-fi movie, which mm-hmm. in general has always been presented as, hey, it's good versus evil, right? Here's the good guys, and here's the bad guys. And exactly, I, I know yeah. that. And so it oftentimes science fiction doesn't have that layered. Yeah. Uh, it's really not that pains. clear cut in Dune, right. for sure. For sure. Yeah, I think, it, and I think that that's something that definitely centers Dune in a very specific time in science fiction. Because I think, I I will admit that I haven't read a ton of like contemporary science fiction. I had sort of moved past that as a genre, uh, but I do think that there is a lot more of the well, this is a good person and that's a bad person, and we're gonna have this, you know good versus evil, and maybe the maybe the you know the villain will be a little dark and brooding and mysterious. But we're still going to mostly focus on the very clear lines. And I do think that sci-fi of the 50s, 60s, 70s was a little more, this is all an allegory and this is all layered and mm-hmm. don't take anything at uh, face value. And But I mean, it's, it's again, with the next, like, something that comes up in the next chapter is that, you know, Paul says... Well, I've wiped out all of these religions. Mm-hmm. And Corbus says, well, they weren't believers. And he says, yes, they were. It's like, no, Paul, you, at the end of the day, you did this. Yeah. yeah. And I know that I'm biased because I don't care for Paul particularly, but you don't get to act as if this happened without, you know, just carried, the waves carried you away. And what were you yeah. supposed to do? Your It was your mom's fault. Like, it didn't oh. happen on its own. Yeah, I, I don't love the whole... Um pinning everything you know pinning all the the fate of billions of people on jessica it's not just paul i feel like it's also the bene gesserit do this as well and it's easy easy yeah to say well we this isn't what we were going to have happen you know women (laughs) traditional scapegoat (laughs) if we had just been able to have our quizach hatterack the way we wanted him he would have been perfect and great and instead we have this guy <laughs> I, I also like in the next chapter as well when Edric and Paul are talking and they just sort of mention in passing Baron Hare Cohen and they're like, oh yeah, Alia killed him. And it's just sort of like a sentence, a throwaway sentence. I'm like, that was the whole 
second half of the last book, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was the big fight. It was the good guy and the bad guy, supposedly. And it's just like, oh, yeah, he died and we've moved on. And it doesn't really matter because 40 billion other people are dead as well. Yeah. And I That's, mean, that oh, is one of the things that I think is great about Dune is that it puts a lot of that sort of thing into a really good context because... Mm-hmm. Things happen that are very important at the time, but then, you know, life keeps going and other things happen that are just as important, if not more so. But yeah, when you have just read a book where that was a huge set piece and the villain was taken down by a little girl and then to have it be, oh yeah, that happened. (laughs) Yeah, he was our grandfather. (laughs) Weird, huh? I think um, one of the things I love about Dune and the series as a whole is as it progresses, each book gets much broader in scope mm-hmm. like you can tell you can see the difference between dune and dune messiah because you're not you know things are completely different now you're not in this life or death i mean it is life or death but it's a different kind of life or death in mm-hmm. dune messiah than it is in dune and then you know as the series progressive you sort of the lens sort of steps back you know pans out and you see more of the picture and (laughs) i would just say keep going because as they Mm. go it just gets bigger and bigger and crazier and all of the things that are so important (laughs) in the first book are just nothing nothing that's by uh, the end which is both good and frustrating yeah i think that that happens a lot in any series because Mm -hmm. i mean i think that that happens in the dark tower where there are things that happen in the gunslinger that you're suddenly like wait oh remember that (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) That yeah. was a long time ago, but hey, still remember that was a really big deal at the time. <laughs> it's a very Bene Gesserit way of thinking, though, right? Like they're thinking fifty generations in the future, not in the mm-hmm. here and now. So, it's yeah, structured I think it. you get to a point in. I mean, as then we've talked about this. The I mean, in the Dark Tower, you get to a point where you're like, hey, remember when Randall Flag was a big deal? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Anyway. <laughs> R.I.P. to Randall Black. Light a candle for that guy. You know he deserved deserved a better ending than he got. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I won't. I won't argue with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have you guys on for that for that episode because I'm going to rant a lot. Oh my gosh, she's never going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But but then you get led into the big procast antagonist the crimson king right jay we had oh, yeah wow <laughs> you'll never yeah. get me that really that really paid off <laughs> <laughs> do your laugh jay he <laughs> <laughs> can't get me off the crimson king <laughs> oh yeah it's oh yeah there's so much where you're going oh okay <laughs> we're doing this i guess all right. <laughs> Wait, what's happening now? Hold on. <laughs> Why are we in this house? Who's this guy? Bottoms up, says I. <laughs> um, Somebody get a pencil. I think that we're just... I'm just avoiding talking about the rest of this chapter. <gasps> All right. Just because we, we, we do have to mention it. Like, okay. what's happening here? So, Alia isn't enjoying her life she's very confused she's having sort of visions of you know a a dark handsome man in her future and Mm -hmm. uh you know as as was said she has all these memories of what you know love is what sex is and she thinks you know if she wanted to just get 
the technical aspects of it or even people's memories you know she can call upon that but she wants to she's realizing that she wants to experience things for herself which is fair and she decides she's going to take a bath uh and we get a little about how you know fremen would just basically be horrified at the fact that you're filling an entire tub just to sit in it they'd be filling their thigh pads over this one (laughs) (laughs) uh there's a fremen saying that says four things cannot be hidden love smoke a pillar of fire and a man striding across the open blood okay fair true great (laughs) thanks fremen and So she's thinking about hate and she's not trying to say that to herself. She's even trying to avoid it. She's like, I'm not thinking about him that way. I just haven't met a man in a while. Uh, And that's all. But so she gets frustrated and she decides that she's going to jump out of her tub and just go and do some training, which I guess is in her gym, which is just adjacent to her room. Uh, she is naked. She just gets out of the tub and goes straight in to do it. And she is um, basically, it's a combat training sort of dummy that you can get several blades. She keeps upping it uh, to, I believe she gets to 11. Yeah. She gets yeah. to 11. Yeah. She which is 11. like spinal tap, man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's really, she's doing great. Like, I'm just going to say she's killing it. Yeah. Uh, and then Paul shows up. Someone throws a knife and, like, destroys the dummy, like, turns it off. And she knows that the only person he could do that with that level of... Precision. You know, precision is her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a moment where she thinks, I should probably th- put some clothes on, but he's already seen me, so you can't forget that. <laughs> like, no, Alia, you still need to put something on. That's just, you know, yeah. what you do. <laughs> so it's Paul and Stilgar, and they're just sort of staring at her, and they're mad. At first, Paul is mad about how she had 11 lights. Yeah. And he's just not, you know, that was I so think he's stupid just of her. Grumpy, because he said he, he's gotten up to eight or something. Yeah. And I was like, don't hate. Yeah, don't hate because she's doing better than you. Yeah. And he's also, yeah, he's kind of checking her out. He's like, whoa, my sister's a lady. And it's not okay. This is a Game of Thrones. Yeah. (laughs) Please, can we not? Everyone, stop. Uh, Paul Paul and Stilgar have come for a reason because they have some some news. They've gotten some intel that they wanted to talk about Valia, but Stilgar just busts in to be like, yeah, we got to get her a man. Yeah. Because this is gross what's happening right now. Well, he says like it, it'll be trouble sooner rather than later if if they don't get her matched up with somebody. Which what? Okay, calm down, dude. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Excuse I, me, Dad. It kind of <laughs> felt like there was a scene missing or something because suddenly Stilgar had this, you know, I don't know, hair up his ass about getting yeah. a, a husband, where this was never mentioned before, and I from the Fremen culture, maybe there's some expectation of pairing everybody off at a certain age and otherwise it's like, I don't know, bad form or something, but she's sort of of the, this, like, she's apart from everybody. She's all of these other things, you know, Mm -hmm. she's the, you know, the, the child, Reverend mother, et cetera. Um, 
So I don't know why the, these rules necessarily need to apply to her. And if there's some other reason why they're concerned about her not being paired off or married at this age, it's not expressed. It's just like this blanket assumed concern that like maybe I, you know, my cultural uh, awareness should be like offended by this. What? Still not married at the ripe old age <laughs> of 15? Like, and it's not. So it feels wrong and, and annoying, actually. So. Yeah, because it's also, you know, Paul, when he realizes that Stilgar is upset about the situation and Ollie at this point has thrown a robe on and is kind of understandably being snarky. You know, she mm-hmm. says, oh, advice, advice to maidens from Stilgar. <laughs> uh, and but Paul is acting as if he was never a teenager and has no comprehension of why, you know, hormones or puberty or anything. Because mm-hmm. he just, well, why would she just go and be working out naked? And why was she <laughs> being so reckless with all of the, you know, 11 lights? And I don't understand. It's like, what don't you understand? Like, she is brimming with hormones. Yeah, like, this is just, everyone is acting as if she's just going to start jumping on people which first of all okay if she did i mean whatever like but i want to think that almost stilgar is like well look this is a situation that is not good because you know as we the previous chapter it was broached that paul and alia could have a child um Mm. and i'm guessing that there's an aspect that we're supposed to get of stilgar saying well this isn't okay that you know she's acting this way and you're just walking in on it but we haven't had any indication from either of them that they would want to sleep together. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everyone is, yeah, just there's some big chunk is just missing out of this because everyone's just sleeping to, well, if we just get her a man, then I guess she won't be tempting her brother. It's like, no, no, no one has actually gone that far except to you. You're right. Stilgar and the Reverend Mother guys, Helen. <laughs> right. Because there's almost, there is a little, he says that, Paul says that they're there because Rulin wanted them to talk to Alia. So I guess maybe we're supposed to, you know, get from that, that maybe this was one of her, the intimate moments she was trying to set up. And then why would he bring Stilgar? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on that. Yes, I would assume that if Rulin was saying, oh, well, Paul, you should go talk to your sister right now. She wouldn't have said, and take Stilgar. Right. Well, I think that he said Arulan suggested it or indirectly. Which Um, is why I thought it might have been because she's a Betty Jesuit. They don't do things directly. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. I I will say that Alia's Alia's fight with the the training dummy reminded me of the first book when Paul and uh, Gurney Halleck have their little practice duel. Um, And how that practice duel between Paul and Gurney is about him pushing Paul to his limits to to sort of get Paul to understand the danger. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the same thing here with Alia, right? That she's pushing this dummy far beyond mm-hmm. and Paul's worried about that. And I thought that that was a nice little callback to that scene in the first book. Mm-hmm. And the and same she, age too, I think, right? Yeah, about, yeah. 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 So she I doesn't even have a gurney. She has a robot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and not even a smart robot, right? Because you're not allowed to have computers. Yeah, so it's no. like they had right. to take out the the artificial intelligence in it. I, I'm not exactly sure how that would work, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's part of the danger is that there's no way to make it stop. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't know that it's going to hurt you. It's not going to pull back or anything. It's just 
here it comes. Yeah. I, I just assume that there's like a pterodactyl inside it, like in the Flintstones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> exactly. That's really what it's come to, I, I think, you know. And I, I love that we're still like, oh, well, we can't have these thinking machines. Everyone ignore the clone guy with metal eyes that is living in our house now. He doesn't count. He's not a thinking machine. He's a person. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> He's not all robot, just his eyeballs. Which I don't care for that. I don't nope. want to see that. I mean, no. I like that Alia, there's a, the next, not the next chapter, but after that is when she gets a chance to really talk with, with hate. And there's a lot of moments where he like, turns his metal eyes on her and she's like, nope. <laughs> can't, can't really blame her. He can cry with them, though, which seems weird. I mean, mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there for right now, but he cries with those metal eyes and I don't I, I, have, I yeah. haven't made up my mind what my imagination, uh, like settled in my imagination, what those eyes look like. Are they just like smooth spheres, like ball bearings, or do they have sort of like a, you know, a pupil that actually tracks what he's looking at or something? Why um, do I think I remember it being, Megan, you can correct me, but I think I remember them describing them as like uniform, like a gray silver with like mm-hmm. divots, like a golf ball, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> I think, Ollie, make better choices with. Your I life. think in the fourth book that that's how they're described. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, not like all gold is like have a silver, those, but a silver golf ball. Then <sighs> golf balls. Okay. Mm. Hot. <laughs> so Paul's there to talk more with Alia about things, and he drops that they're gonna that, that, that there's rumors that the guild's gonna try to get a worm. And yeah. like this is some sort of like China panda project where they're like, oh, we're <laughs> going to take this panda and bring it to somewhere else and and try to raise it there and hope for the best. And it's like, I'm not sure if that would work. And I think Ali is sort of is along the same line. Like, how are they going to feed it? Is it going to have the right habitat? Yeah. All, all yeah. this stuff. She's like, well, they have to have Fremen that are helping them because no one else can catch a worm. And so no one else more problems would understand the worm and what it needs and they let it slip that they can't see what the guildsmen are doing yeah i think um stilgar is a little shocked by this but i'm just mm-hmm. like have you has in 12 years this has never come up <laughs> ever once <laughs> i mean how they did you guys to... get your armies across the universe without the guild so it has to have come up at some point i like that paul has he has the shortest fuse because mm. Stilgar is kind of, well, wait a minute. Does that mean you can't see what the guild, like the steersmen are doing? And Paul's just like, you know what? Damnation. <laughs> like, okay, emperor of the universe. <laughs> Take a breath. Just yeah. a little breathing exercise. Watch some Daniel Tiger and take a deep breath. And he needs to de-stress. You gotta be calm. Your 15-year-old sister is handling this better than you. Because she's realizing that Stilgar is like, wait a minute, they can't see everything? And she's like, oh boy. Let's pull she this gives back. Him, yeah, she gives him some kind of uh, parable about mountains and valleys and desert. And there's, there are things she can see that he can't see. And there are certain things that, you know, she it can see, but doesn't realize she's seeing it until after she's seen it. And I don't know. That would be the most, I would never want to see the future, but I would not want to just see parts of futures. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
even worse. <laughs> it's like when you get something in a anything with like a mind reader who can't actually, you know, because people don't think in paragraphs or straight out, you know, images. It's just let me get these bits and pieces. Like, oh, right. No, thank you. I don't have time to try to understand other people. It's like that great X Files episode, the one with um, the Clive Bruckner's final repose mm -hmm. with the psychics. That is what yeah. exactly what you're describing. And yeah, I would not want that. I thought you were going to say Jose Chung's from Outer Space, which wouldn't have um, anything to do with anything. But No, hey. but it is the greatest episode of X-Files. <laughs> We're talking about Lord Kimboat. Yeah. <laughs> he should be in Dune. He really should. Or like the Cyclops in Krull, when the only thing they can <laughs> yeah. see in the future is their own death. Oh. That's, uh, a, that's a real that, monkey's paw. That, that's a deep cut, Jay. Usually you go for Beastmaster. I'm surprised you went with Krull, but I like yeah, it. Beastmaster and Krull are... Kissing cousins. Yeah. They are. They definitely are. Uh, that would be, I wish that there, we have, the, we had the, the spice side messenger bat. There should mm -hmm. be more animals that people talk to in, uh, <laughs> in Dune. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. It's too easy. <laughs> uh, they just, I, I, the problem with, I think, reading and enjoying a lot of science fiction and fantasy is that you do just start wishing that everything had everything, even yeah. if it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, I know Dune's not that kind of book, but maybe there could be some aliens. Or yeah. maybe, you know, someone could talk to some ferrets, or there could be magic, like, that isn't just this weird spice magic. Or whatever it is face dancers are doing, because I still don't quite understand. Yeah, no, don't understand that. But Never. on that note, should I read the epigraph for the next chapter? Yes, because we're just getting better, because now we've gone from Paul and Alia are awkward around each other to Paul talks about Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, okay. And it goes like this. The most dangerous game in the universe is to govern from an oracular base. We do not consider ourselves wise enough or brave enough to play that game. The measures detailed here for regulation in lesser matters are as near as we dare venture to the brink of government. For our purposes, we borrow definition from the Bene Gesserit and we consider the various worlds as gene pools, sources of teachings and teachers, sources of the possible. Our goal is not to rule, but to tap these gene pools, to learn and to free ourselves from all restraints imposed by dependency and government. And this is from <laughs> the orgy as a tool of statecraft from chapter three of the Steersman's Guild. That's a brave new world, Biz. Yeah. What the fuck? That's a soma party. <laughs> I'm just like, right. And that's only chapter three. Mmm, gene pools. All the steersmen <laughs> just sort of drop their keys for their spaceships <laughs> in their bowl and... For their tanks. Right. I like that Edric apparently comes with a laser pointer since he's just floating, floating yeah. his tank and he's like, oh, what's that over there? Point. <laughs> Like, so apparently annoying. this is how, like he's giving an audience sort of like uh, the Godfather and Luca Brasi like uh, Luca Brasi was floating in a tank. <laughs> well, I mean, he did float eventually. Oh, oh. oh. I, I brought you a gift of spice on the day of your daughter's wedding. 
Uh, he so would. He'd be like, um, we have, we're good on spice, friend. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, apparently there's a party going on outside of this room, and Paul is having a private audience with Edric, I guess. Yep. What this is something I, I had to read it a couple mm. times to get that. What offends me about this room that they're in? Mm-hmm. are a couple of things, just aesthetically. <laughs> One is that there's apparently a map, a relief map of parts of Arrakis on the wall, and things are marked with jewels, which is a little mm-hmm. showy, Paul. Yeah. Uh, we already have talked about people having, you know, tiles embedded with crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of things that are platinum. So this is a very flashy uh, future that we're living in. <laughs> and also, Paul is just sitting on a divan of gray and black stripes which where did that come from <laughs> that's just very off from every coloring kind of concept that we've had yeah. so far and it's like well where did that come from who brought that in as long as it's not red and green i'm fine with it i'm so tired of red and green <laughs> that's their colors it's christmas colors i don't <laughs> like Freddy it kruger colors yeah it, <laughs> that too yeah, he says, you know, is that where your father died? He says, no, it's the Shrine of His Skull, which a normal good thing that everyone has. Yep, normal and cool. So is that, I have an old copy of Dune Messiah, and on the cover, there's like this giant head on it, a stone head, and I'm assuming that that's what he's talking about, right? Possibly. Yeah. I that's the same they, cover that I have. Yeah, me too. They, I, you know... And especially in the miniseries, there's a lot of giant heads. Uh, so <laughs> someone really ran with that on the mm-hmm. sci-fi network. Um, but yeah, that's the shrine of his skull. And again, I have no comprehension of what Edric is doing in there because he's also rolling. Yeah. He keeps doing like his, belly rolls. Yeah. Is he floating in there? Is he just rolling on the ground? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe he's like but a I shark. Want. He has to keep moving, otherwise he'll suffocate. Uh, can you imagine having a conversation with a person who, one, is in a bubble, and two, is just rolling around? <laughs> like, no. I don't want to talk to you, strange fish man rolling. Like, this is getting uncomfortable. Unless his name have is aliens, and we Abe have this. Sapien. Is the well, only you know, you person. want to talk to Abe, but yeah. he at least isn't constantly rolling. And he's probably not trying to kill you. Probably. <laughs> uh, I mean, we hope. Fingers crossed. Right. Doug Jones would never hurt me. No, he's a very um, gentle soul. He is. He's, he's just like, oh. Yeah, because like the, the, your father killed the Baron, right? And that's when he says, no, my sister did that. Yeah, why are we talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> the guild man fish is how he thinks of Edric. <laughs> Like, oh, this is great. I will give some props to the audiobook production here because they make Ed- Edric's voice like, it's a little like this. He talks like this. Oh, is know. that where that is spot deep? <laughs> and it's like, hilarious, dude. Uh, I enjoy this very much. <laughs> it's not as good as the Guildsmen and, again, the miniseries who are constantly just posing. Yeah, they're voguing. Uh, I don't know if either of you have seen the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries. No, uh, no. Dune, but it's something, the, man. It's something, and a lot of very theatrical choices were made. And whenever the guildsmen, not necessarily the the navigators, but like any of the guildsmen talk, they all pose a lot. 
There's they do lots this, of, like, Tai Chi kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of wide shots where one of them will just be on one leg. Yeah. <laughs> For that's no a, reason other than they were like, here's an artistic choice. Yeah, that's <laughs> an interesting choice. Yeah. And he's only brought one aid with him, and it is... Uh, Sightail. Sightail. Uh, our, our old buddy. He was just there being totally weird. Even Paul's yeah. like, well, what's this guy's deal? And <laughs> I think that the face dancers really need to calm it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They I give like, you the creeps. I, I, I like do. that description that the aide surface shouted stupidity, but the eyes betrayed him. They laughed at everything they saw. Yeah. It's just like, oh, good. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. All right. This guy's not just a bodyguard. There's more to him. Yeah, you'd think that he would be able to hide that a little better, but he's not particularly good at hiding his internal thoughts, regardless of what his face looks like. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, apparently there was a big face dancer show where at one point they all looked like Chani, which again, who would like that? <laughs> no, for? no, thank you. <laughs> I don't like face dancers. I, I don't want aliens like and magic. I don't want face dancers. Seeing my face like on FaceTime, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> oh, that, and that's like the uh, the Oompa Loompas in the Johnny Depp uh, Charlie yes. and the Chocolate Factory. So they're all the same. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. That yeah, I've never understood why that was a choice that was made. Like they weren't supposed to be like little clone people. They were people. <laughs> I mean, they were they were slaves that he abducted, yeah. but um, other than that, they were not clones. I think that was maybe what they were going for in that it was like, oh, if we make them clones, it won't be as bad as <laughs> now they're just enslaved race. clones. Yeah. They're just it's like, oh, never mind. We're not making this any better. Uh, yeah, Paul is just he's not having a great time at this meeting. He's talking about guildsmen bearing gifts. He's being really short with with Edric. Uh, and he's just like, but it's great. Like, our gifts are all really nice. We just bring you clones of people you used to know. <laughs> We're going to kill you. That's a totally that, cool and normal thing. That say that they're going to kill you. And we just make, we bring a lot of face dancers to look like your your girlfriend. <laughs> That's fun. Everyone likes that. That's yeah. a good time. And they haven't even gotten into chair dogs or futars. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> So I have a question about the the Gola. Like, are they a clone or are they reanimated flesh? That's not clear to me. So I think they say they're grown from the flesh. So I think a clone. Yeah. Uh. And you can make more than one. So I think Mm -hmm. it's that they keep some of the flesh back and, you know, they use it to make another of whoever. Jangle Um, Fett style. Yeah, there will be so many golas later. Uh, This is particularly a symptom of the prequels and sequels by Brian Herbert, who there's golas of literally anyone who's ever been a character. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're like, oh, surprise, here's a gola of that person. And it's like, okay, when when death means nothing, (laughs) you lose all stakes. It's like Barbara Streisand and her dogs. Doesn't she dogs. have like five clones yes. of the same <laughs> yeah. dog? We actually mentioned that on yeah. our last episode. <laughs> Babs, no. You can't keep doing that. It gets weirder and weirder every time. Didn't you see uh, multiplicity? Or, the clone of the yeah. clone of the clone. <laughs> or uh, that, oh gosh, what is that movie with, is it Ava Green? Where she gives birth to her boyfriend's clone? Birth? 
No, no that's, that's Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman one. Never mind. I was gonna I say. I think I know exactly what you're talking about because Matt Cause Smith Matt was. Matt Smith. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember the name of it, but I was. I was like, I'm not watching this. This is creepy. It is creepy, and it gets weirder and worse. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same. Like he's. It's a exact clone of him, and has his memories and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's 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 like we were, we were saying last week. You know, they are deliberately very obtuse about whether or not it's an actual clone, even mm-hmm. though they're the ones that create it. You know, every time someone flat out says, "Are you Duncan Idaho?" Hate, and everyone else just goes, "I don't know." I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, well, ask me some questions or go show me some stuff and maybe I'll become Duncan Idaho. It's like, this is not useful. Um, and that just really is what happens when you have a minor character that everyone <laughs> falls in love with who dies in a first book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Boba Fett. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's very just everyone was really into Duncan Idaho and... Went out, like I okay. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> Everyone's into this guy. Let's just let's bring him back in some capacity. I guess it it is sort of funny that you say that because when you know that was one of the little pieces of knowledge that I knew about Dune was like Duncan Idaho and he's this character that everyone's impressed with. And when I was reading the book, I'm like, he's not in here very much, and now he's <laughs> dead, and he just sort of dies like not. Is it even on screen? Is it sort of off screen? They come it's off screen. Yeah, it's yeah. off screen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is really weird. Like, this is the big character. Maybe he's not dead and he's going to come back. I didn't realize that. No, he is dead. He's but he is going to come back also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and remember how he kind of weirdly hit on your mom sometimes? Well, he's going to do that to your sister too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, no, come on. Choices, sir. Choices. <laughs> so this is a big deal for Jason Momoa if the uh, the Dune movies turn into a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would yeah, be. Because oh, and yeah, without giving too much away, it'll just yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a used very to playing. Big deal. Oh no, never mind. I was gonna say he's used to coming back from the dead, but that wasn't him in uh, Game of Thrones, right? No, it was like a it was vision the... or something. Yeah. Like it wasn't real. But he still showed up. I mean, that was nice of him to do, I guess. <laughs> I always, I'm, I'm always interested with that in TV shows because, you know, what happened if he was like, nah, I don't want to come back for that. Like, what would they do? You, right. you can't just put someone in that wig and be like, yeah, no, that's Cal Drogo. Yeah. <laughs> don't look at him too hard. Like, everyone knows what Jason Momoa looks like. It, I love it when they unexpectedly just swap actors out and you have to act like this is a totally like this is the same person yes yeah soap operas i mean it's just the literal all the time oh hello (laughs) don't you recognize me i'm so and so like oh of course you are right (laughs) that sort of happens with duncan idaho and everything because in the miniseries he's one actor and then in children of dune it's another guy entirely (laughs) yeah (laughs) Because I think the guy from the first one, I think they were like, oh, he can't carry off actual, like, whole scenes. Right. <laughs> he doesn't, uh, there's not a lot of the Duncan Idaho, big Duncan Idaho scenes in the miniseries in the first one, in Dune. Yeah. So okay. I think when they got to Children of Dune and there was going to be more, they were like, oh, we've got to get someone who can actually <laughs> do dialogue and right. acting. Uh, Stilgar comes in and it's just like, well... 
what's going on in here? <laughs> like, why are you hanging out with this guy? Where are all the guards? Uh, poor Stilgar is just... He's really he's not having a good time in these... <laughs> this yeah, is he's not fun. Bad, a bad couple of chapters for Stilgar. He walks in on his, you know, Messiah's sister naked. Walks in on yeah. the Messiah potentially getting killed in this one. Like He's mm-hmm. like, yikes, what have I got into? <laughs> yeah, Paul's just like, well... Because Edric's doing the, like, well, how could the Gola be a danger to you? You're a god. Who could kill a god? And he's like, well, who says I'm a god? And he's like, well, I don't know, this guy over here. <laughs> Where Stilgar's like, well, I, no, I knew this guy when he was a teenager. Like a snotty-nosed teen. <laughs> staring at my niece. Like, <laughs> calm down. Um, and so they just, there's a lot of talk about, about prescience and everyone has... 18 layers to the words that are saying and then I guess at some point they're just like wheel this guy out of here <laughs> yeah well I think there's some odd sort of bit of conversation where um, he's talking about oh gosh how does Alia come into this oh yeah so he says uh, Edric thinks he's kind of gotten the upper hand with Paul and I think Paul kind of wants him to think that um mm-hmm. and Paul says, No, like I, I didn't reject my godhood because uh my sister is a goddess and you know she could kill you with a look, so be careful around her or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. Megan, maybe you can illuminate what his purpose was in dropping that. I think he's just screwing with him because yeah. he's been he says, look, you know, I didn't seek this out. It was thrust upon me, which no. OK, we're not even going to get into that, Paul. I don't have time for it. And uh, so I think he's just let him think that he won that round. But also, by the way, my sister could kill you. <laughs> so you're going to want to be careful around her. It's such a weird brag. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, I, you know, showing off a little. Yeah, I sort of got the sense that like there might be some sort of if not rules but like diplomatic reasons why he couldn't get involved in killing him but like ali is sort of a free agent and you know if yeah. she kills you mm. there's no no consequences to that because everyone knows she's a little crazy sure yeah. well that's gonna that, happen that actually makes sense okay yeah she killed our grandfather when she was like three <laughs> <laughs> like deal with that she cuts throats in the field uh so yeah Sightail is just he says some random stuff that makes Paul go, hey, wait a minute. I think there's something to that guy, but yeah. they leave. Paul and Stilgar um, are like, that was weird. Yeah, Stilgar <laughs> actually says that was odd. <laughs> Which I like, because we're Stilgar. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting Javier Bardem just doing all of this stuff. Just being like, uh, what? <laughs> um, and now... There's a moment where Stilgar calls Paul Usul. Mm-hmm. And Paul immediately is like, oh, he's reminding me that in the desert he was in charge. He's like, I think maybe he was just using your name because you were having a moment. But all right, let's just be paranoid about everybody and everything. And mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, well, doesn't doesn't Paul sort of realize that uh, Edric is not really. Like, they seem to be having a battle of wits, but really the conversation's for Stilgar. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he's trying to undercut Paul's authority in front of Stilgar. And um, that's and, and so when Stilgar pulls that out, I sort of got it as like, oh, maybe 
maybe maybe that is what happened. Stilgar did uh, listen to what Edric was saying. Just everyone is so suspicious of everybody all the time. <laughs> even I am now. Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> you're not even there. <laughs> She's like, uh-oh. You guys know where it's going. I don't. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. They're all going to kill each other. <laughs> and Corbo walks in. And I feel like every time Corbo shows up, Paul's like, oh, <laughs> this, guy. this guy again. <laughs> yeah. Because Paul's just trying to live and Sogar's just trying to have a moment and maybe give him some paperwork to look at because he is the emperor of the universe. And then Corbo walks in and is like, by the way, he just I love you. Stanzas all over the place all the time. Um, you are a god and you're the best and... <laughs> Do some God stuff, and everything <laughs> you do is right, and you're great. <laughs> Paul's like, <laughs> and then so Corbus like people don't like that you were nice to the guildsmen because they're our enemies, and you were nice to them. And I love that he's just like people are saying that. Totally, <laughs> people. I heard them on the streets. You live in Canada. Yeah, you don't know them. Uh, I don't have their names because it wouldn't matter. You don't know who they are, but they were talking about you. And they said this wasn't a good idea. Paul's, Paul's like, like eh. yeah, whatever. And he's like, oh, did you bring all that history stuff I wanted you to bring for Stillgard to read? Yeah. <laughs> we got to give him some homework on top of everything else. Uh, <laughs> poor poor Stillgard's Stillgar. like, ah, uh, what? The what now? <laughs> The Golden Age of Earth. And first of all, okay, this is what you're considering a Golden Age of Earth. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, good. It never got better I, than that. Yeah, I know this is the, the year 10,000 of Ebedaba, but, oh. Genghis Khan, that was the top. That was Doesn't the peak. Doesn't he know Genghis Khan is canceled? I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> He's done. You can't talk about him anymore, Paul. He's canceled. Oh boy! I did think it was kind of interesting that of the of all the people that Paul could have mentioned in particular, he mentioned Genghis Khan or and, and Hitler, and I kind of felt like does Paul think of himself as very much like those two particular, you know, warlords, whatever you want to categorize them as? But like the I, nobody thinks of them in the terribly positive light. So what's Paul doing here? Yeah, I think I kind of think he does. Honestly, I, I think that it's less of a. I, I think like if you take morality out of it and just look at it sort of clinically without you know any kind of emotional attachment or resonance, then Paul does think of himself as you know being like these people. He does he and he may not know all of the all of the nuance because mm -hmm. apparently, you know, a lot of the history was lost in the Butlerian Jihad. So, you know, there's probably a lot of holes in his knowledge that he doesn't know about, but I mean, I wouldn't put it past Paul. And he's also being very specific that neither of these people killed people on their own, that mm -hmm. they had people doing the killing for them. So I think he is drawing a really big, um, comparison uh, but I think it's also less of the positive as just him sort of pointing out this this has happened before mm -hmm. and will happen again yeah and you know I'm not the first person to set myself up in this capacity and have people kill people for for that for me mm -hmm. um Genghis Khan did that and this this Hitler Emperor did that. Hitler 
Emperor Hitler. Or, yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, someone heard that in hell and was like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and again, like, the, the, not even so much the morality aspect, but, like, they, they don't have, and this might have just been Frank Herbert not wanting to go there, but there is no real specificity as to who they were killing or why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, oh, Genghis Khan was just out there killing these people with his legions just because uh yeah hitler just just because just we're not going to discuss any of the motivations or anything and he starts saying you know i've killed 61 billion people cool cool paul wow. excellent paul. i've wiped out the followers of 40 religions it's just like uh, sterilized meanwhile it's just like i cannot handle planet. this yeah uh and and but paul and then and he says, and again, this is one of these things that gets undercut because he says, you know, I brought them into the darkness. We'll be a hundred generations recovering from Wadib's jihad. And then he's just like, but I bet Hitler said the same thing. It's like, oh, <laughs> like, you're doing really well with kind of having a moment of, of self-clarity. And then yeah. you're like, oh, I bet Hitler thought this way. It's like, I don't know if that's true. Well, <laughs> um, but they don't even, again, they... I don't know if it would matter, given what he just said, if he had any historical understanding of the quote-unquote motivations mm. of Hitler, because he obviously doesn't also care. I mean, it's a, uh, he's doing the same thing. I mean, it's yeah. an ethnic cleansing, so... Mm. I, I sort of took it as him saying, you know, Stilgard, Korba don't even know who Hitler and Genghis Khan are. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. lost to history and only only Paul knows. And I thought him thinking to himself, and even though I've done all this, even though I've wiped out, you know, 40, 61 billion people and, and 40 religions and 90 planets, someday I'm just going to be like a name that no one knows. Mm-hmm. And, and this I, is. Ooh, no. Yeah. And that's just sort of my how I took it is like, oh, you know, like I'm doing all this now and I, I'm seen as this whatever god great person great person or not great person and i've done all this but eventually i'm just going to be somebody who's gone in in the dust mm-hmm. no i think i think that's that's probably a, a good part of it like but and this is another thing that i think becomes a problem with sort of the sort of sci-fi fantasy that kind of genre issue is that again like not to be super spoiler with it but <laughs> What has to happen to start to to repair this is mm-hmm. so it's a sci-fi thing that oh, it gets yeah. a little like mm. <laughs> you know like there obviously there's there's elements that are not realistic of any of this. I mean we're the future, we're on different planets, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what has to happen is so out there <laughs> that it's like oh right sci-fi <laughs> i don't know yeah. sometimes it can feel a little cheap i think with genre stuff when it's mm-hmm. just i don't know a wizard did it <laughs> uh. <laughs> i know and, and yeah, yeah i been... like how like this chapter ends with oh by the way there's people out there and they're stomping on the flowers <laughs> and paul's like yeah go have them killed <laughs> no you go kill them yourself corva <laughs> I think Korba again is like, I don't know, some people were saying. <laughs> some folks out there. I've, Apparently I've been... there's some Sardaukar snuck in there with the with the guild entourage. Who is this letting these Sardaukar on the planet? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. 
Sardaukar are terrible at hiding themselves. They're yeah. constantly just wearing full body armor under, like, a tunic and being yeah. like, I'm not a Sardaukar. What are you talking about? Well, apparently Cheney spotted them pretty much right away, because that's our girl. Yeah, she's just like, he's a Sardaukar, that's a Sardaukar, that's also a Sardaukar. Uh, uh, you know, and he's just, yeah, and Corba's just, like, I don't know what's going on. But he wants to remind Corba that he's still a Fremen. Hmm. For some reason. Paul, just... you've got too much going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so complicated. And Corba, I think at this point, is like, I can't kill anyone. I'm wearing a very fancy robe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't do that anymore. Like, it it is... kind of walks back a little bit of what, like, Paul was trying to do in Dune and you know, even like Duke Leto was trying to do sort of, you know, give this sort of dignity or whatever to people that had been oppressed and downtrodden and they didn't want any part of it. Now Paul's sort of, you know, flipping that around. Well, I think it's because their idea, as you know, we talked about when we talked about Dune, is Mm -hmm. that their idea of quote unquote, the dignity was you know colonizing them yeah <laughs> act more like us and then you'll be you know you'll be you cool won't be downtrodden anymore mm-hmm. and now he's just kind of doing that like oh shoot you lost all the good stuff as well bring some of that back sorry right uh he probably should have just sent shani to kill them mm-hmm. she could have done it she could have done it she's busy. Shani and alia she's like, just she's spying on the party yeah that would be what I'd be doing. I wouldn't actually be spying, but I'm like, I'm not going to that party. <laughs> There's a guy in a bubble. There's face dancers. It's weird. It's um, weird stuff. I will just because this is something that comes up later, but it's because I mentioned them and I hate them. There is later to come something called chair dogs, which are chairs that are alive. <laughs> and they, um, they like learn to form around you while you're sitting in them. And that's horrifying. Are and they, they call them chair dogs because they're like dogs, but they're chairs. But wait, but, but uh, uh, you just blew my mind. So wait, yeah. that's supposed to be that's supposed to be a good thing or a bad thing that the chairs form it's themselves. It's a good thing. You? It's Got like it. very luxurious item. I Got it. just I hate them with all <laughs> I, of my heart. That's when you that's said so I gross. wish there were more animals. I almost said oh. it, and I was like, no, it's too <laughs> easy. You'll I, I get play a lot so of upset. D&D. I play a lot of D&D, so that sounded like a mimic to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was very afraid. <laughs> don't sit on that. <laughs> It'll eat you. I don't want to sit on a living chair at all, but I love that you know, this is the future and we can't have computers. No one can have an iPhone, but you can have a clone or a living chair. Look, they're if living chairs were good enough for Beauty and the Beast, they're good enough I- for me. That, well, I was going to say, like, I, I sort of think of a chair dog more like an ottoman dog would work a little bit better, yeah. right? You yeah. can put your feet up on the dog. <laughs> or a beanbag oh. dog. <laughs> just a big old dog. It's one of those giant beanbags. That's what you do with a big old sandworm. Mm-hmm. You're just like, mm, come here, you. Uh, Dune. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> it is weird. I'm excited for you guys to, uh, if you decide to keep reading it, because there's a lot, a lot of really weird shit in this series, and this we're just barely scratching the surface here. I wish there was more Dune in the Dark Tower. <laughs> Honestly, instead of yes. Harry Potter, I wish there was Dune. Yes. 
Yeah, I can't think of one Dune reference in, in the Dark Tower. I would love for just a moment where someone is just explaining like the plot of Dune to roll. Oh, God. <laughs> He's just like, you know what? Just stop talking. I, he would do one of his uh, famous uh, moving his fingers. Like, come on, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. <laughs> yeah. there, no, there is no point, Roland. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Or he'll just kill you. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> Bo and I have often talked about how we would not be allowed in oh, the no. content. We would be cast out. Very quickly, and like almost For me, it would be because I'd be like, hey, do you want to hear about something called Dune? <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it's a good story. For me, I, it would be because I don't like being outside. <laughs> like, enough. even a little bit. <laughs> my, my hair would start to grow out of the hair dye, and Roland would be like, what is that about? <laughs> I just get some sort of lecture. Like, I dye my hair, Roland. It's fine. It's really We've it's already no heard seat. his thoughts on hair dye. People have, people do it in my world all the time. It's really, it's fine. <laughs> it's not anything bad. Just let's move on. Let's keep walking. <laughs> I just, I feel like I would get a lot of lectures just in general. It would yeah. just be stuff like nail polish. You'd be like, well, what's that about? Like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't have time for this, Roland. <laughs> Aren't we on a quest or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. So Poor Roland. We're mean to him. <laughs> we are. But, you know, he can handle it. He can take he can. it. <laughs> so what did you guys think? Mm -hmm. No, this is great. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I will keep reading along, especially since I've got guides through this world uh, through your <laughs> podcast, which has been a great help because there'll be times when my eyes glaze over a little bit and I'm like, I think I missed something here and yeah. you guys have been helpful in guiding me along. So I appreciate that. Oh, that's so nice. Happy yeah, to help. Same for me. Yay. Awesome. Everybody loves Dune. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually very untrue. <laughs> Lots of people really hate this series and that's fine for them, but not for us. Exactly. We would you guys like to plug your show? Sure. Um, uh, you can find out more about our podcast at our website, two guys to the dark tower com, And you can email us at two guys, dark tower at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon. If you want to support our show, you can visit us at patreon.com slash two guys, dark tower. Yeah. Awesome. So we've done all eight of the dark tower books and we've expanded into some of the Dark Tower adjacent books. So we've done Salem's Lot and Hearts mm -hmm. in Atlantis. And we're currently covering The Stand on our latest episodes. And uh, we're about halfway through that now. And it is unfortunately very timely in this time that we're in reading The Stand. So that's been yeah. a, sort of a hard read. Yeah. But also a pleasant one because it's an awesome book. It yes. is. It is it a is. very good book. Mm -hmm. Like... Oh. Sure. I have a I have a friend that um, our fr our our friend Sammy C who has you know not read a ton of Stephen King but I got her to sort of read it with us a few years ago and I think like that was sort of the opened a door for her that she had not really you know read much of his stuff before so now it's kind of like I love experiencing. Uh, anything from the Stephen King universe through a newcomer's eyes. And it's mm -hmm. sort of like now with Dune, it's sort of the same thing, but like I'm not quite as well versed in Dune as I am in 
Stephen King's work. So yeah, it's been a lot true. of fun. Yeah, for me, it's my, my husband loved The Dark Tower, but he has not read any Stephen King other than that. So occasionally I'm just sort of like wow. pointed things. That's so bonkers. That's so he doesn't odd. like horror. <laughs> he doesn't like horror, and he decided to read The Gunslinger just because he was like, well, this seems different enough and yeah. that he really liked it and liked all the rest of them. And I think he really, you know, he sees it more as, well, like a sci-fi fantasy type adventure as opposed to something like It where he's just like, oh, evil clown. It's horror. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's usually the reverse. Most people have read everything else, but not yeah. The Dark Tower. So. Yeah. Yeah. It is daunting when you look at the series, you know, kind of all stacked up together like that. Which is and your favorite not... Dark Tower book? Mine is The Wastelands. I just mm-hmm. love it. It's extra. It's just extra. I mean, it's extra weird. It's extra. There's so much going on. You've got giant robot bears. You got, you know, the (laughs) Rose and the Tom and Jerry's artistic delis, Uh, you know, all of that (laughs) stuff, like finding the path of the beam. And it's just rolling, going crazy. I mean, there's so much to it. And I don't know. It it was actually, and Megan knows this, she couldn't believe it. It was the first book of the series that I read. (laughs) <laughs> and then wow. I went back and read can. the first two so I think that's part of the reason why I love it so much but yeah that's my favorite yeah probably mine as well and like I, I would not have been able to do that because I with series I can't even if I start to read a romance novel and it's clear that it's the second or third one even if that has no bearing on the plot I'm reading I'm like but wait what about those people why are we acting like we know them Right. <laughs> and it was the same thing because I've read both versions of The Gunslinger where I started to get sort of a Wastelands kind of like I'm living in two worlds because I was mm. like, well, wait a minute. Why are you saying this here? But then here, this is happening. Why? And then I had to go, oh, wait, because there's two yeah. there's two versions. It got updated. Okay. Why? That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I am very fond of The Gunslinger, though. I, I do. I mean, I feel like that is a great book for mm-hmm. you could probably just read that. Mm-hmm. honestly if it did nothing for you and you were just like this is i'm fine with an, an open-ended uh you know quest yeah i feel like I the gunslinger kind of anyway. gets a lot of guff but i think that it's a great book i think it's like beautifully written mm-hmm. i love i love the sort of sparse way it's written um i just think it's a lovely book and i i mean that's one that i could go back to again and again yeah, you're both singing uh, my song there. I, the Gunslinger is my favorite of, of all of the Dark Tower books. And for all the reasons you said, and plus it does work so well on its own, but mm-hmm. if you come back to it after you've read the rest, it takes on so much more of, mm-hmm. a, of an impact. It's so, it, the gravity just jumps way up. And um, yeah, but so that's why, and because I've read them all, you know, number of times, I feel that every time I return to it. So, and this is a, a point that I've made before, but I also think that the gunslinger is the last time that we Roland is justified in taking time from everyone's adventures to sleep with someone. <laughs> it's like yeah. Roland, stop it! We don't have time for this. Right, <laughs> Roland, put that away. <laughs> Poor. Like, Eddie and Susanna are at least married yeah. <laughs> to each other. And I, obviously, it's probably still like, okay, guys, we're <laughs> moving along. 
There was a giant bear here not like 20 minutes ago. Is this really appropriate? But... Right. <laughs> Ooh, Shardick. Shardick's it's a Stephen King. I mean, people have done worse and worse situations. True. I've read The Mist. Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Stephen King. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Where will we be without Uncle Steve? No. Well, that's um, a good time for us to plug our Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at Let's Get Weirding. That's our show. Obviously, you know that because you're listening to it. But we have three levels. We've got the $1 level where you will get our newsletter. And every so often, I will put an episode out there for everybody. We have our $3 level where you get all the bonus episodes, bonus content, and then the $12 level where you get all of that stuff, but also you get some cool stickers. Mm-hmm. So thank you everyone that has signed up for the Patreon so far. We have a new uh, person to shout out to, Heather, I believe. Or no, we mm-hmm. got one today. Who was it? Kaylee. So welcome, welcome Kaylee. Yeah, thank you, Kaylee. Yes, thank you so much. And we are delighted to have all of our patrons. Um, and as always, you can find us on Twitter at WeirdingPod. We are on Instagram, Facebook, all of those places. Same WeirdingPod, Weirding Podcasts. If you want to email us, we do have a Q&A episode at the beginning of the month every month. So if you have questions for us, if you have questions about Dune, you want to know anything, you have questions about the Dark Tower, email these guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you have questions for us about Dune, it is WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. It's like when I, I work in an archives, and so when we get uh, reference questions for the actual reference department, it's like, don't ask us that. <laughs> Click forward. Like, yeah. Oh, dark tower question. Oh, no. <laughs> we I could mean, answer that, but we're not going to. Right. Pass that on. I'm not a scam. And I want to mention that on our tea public store, mm-hmm. our tread without rhythm Yes, uh, design by Philippe Sobrero has gotten approved, so you can buy things with that on it. That yeah, so cute. I ordered one today. I am so excited. It is just basically the "Don't Tread on Me" flag, but it's a sandworm, and it says "Tread without rhythm." It's awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. That's a really smart <laughs> idea. It's so cute, uh, and there's nothing like wearing your own merch in right. the pandemic to just feel cool at your house. Right. I did. I even got the mask, so I'm like gonna walk Ooh. out with my with my, my podcast merch mask. Uh, but that's at tpublic slash dot com slash Let's Get Weirding. Hmm. Did anyone ever think you were going to be having, like, fashionable masks? I mean, I don't think even the ones that are supposed to be fashionable are. I mean, they're just masks, so. But the fact remains. Just just fucking wear them, guys. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Not you guys. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But everyone else. Everyone wear them. Please. Please. But, uh yeah so we want to thank you guys so yes, much for you. reaching out for being on the show i'm sorry i feel like we talked <laughs> we did all the talking this episode but thank you so much for being on and yeah we'd love to have you come back sometime well thanks for Excellent. having us yeah. on and we appreciate it and don't feel bad about doing all the talking because you guys are obviously know a lot more about this than we do so we appreciate <laughs> it yeah it was an absolute pleasure to be on your show oh thanks so thank much you. goodbye everybody Take care. Bye. Bye.